is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. Now, your host, Eric Cartier, Senior Pastor of Rocky Mountain Calvary Church. Welcome to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Hope that you're doing well, enjoying this awesome weather that we're having here in Southern Colorado, headed into Labor Day. Can't believe it's almost September First, we've got a great show planned for you today. I have Dr. Matthew Sleeth with me in from Kentucky. So welcome, Matthew. How are you? I'm great, and it's good to be here and see all the beautiful mountains and uh, be in the sunshine. It's, it's great to have you. So uh, Dr. Sleeth is speaking at Focus on the Family uh, September 5th for Lighthouse Voices. And so uh, he is going to be talking on the difficult subject of suicide. Uh, it's so, so important, but it's a free event. Uh, you can go to lighthousevoices.org to to hear more. And and Matthew, I know this is a tough uh, topic. It, it's really affected our uh, community, El Paso County, especially in the area of teen uh, suicide. And I'd just love to hear a little bit more of your story and, and how God called you into this difficult topic of, of suicide. Well, I, I've, I will tell you that I bring two perspectives to this. And the first is uh, medical training, which is a kind of a standard you know, uh, training, what was secular. But even uh, back when I went to medical school and I was an atheist <laughs> then, uh, I believed in Hippocratic medicine. And the Hippocratic Oath uh, that, that uh, I took voluntarily with some other folks uh, says that you will never um, help a patient uh, kill themselves. You'll never do an abortion. You never take advantage of somebody. So even though I was an atheist, I still brought that worldview uh, to it. And when I was 47, uh, I, I met the Lord. I became a follower of Christ, and then all my family did eventually. And so I bring that worldview, which uh, is a biblical worldview, to this as well. Um, just, I think we ought to always know what the worldview of the person is that's yeah. trying to advise us. That's really good. Yeah. Maybe can we hit both of those, uh, you know, from the medical perspective, you know, that, that lens, you know, I know you were a, a chief of a hospital and also worked in the emergency room. You know, you ha- you have an insight from a medical perspective, and then I'd love to hear the, the biblical perspective as well. Right. The, the medical, as you said, I, I ran an emergency department, and uh, the ER is really the, the front door for um, mental health uh, throughout the country. Um, in, in the coming year, just to give you some idea of the magnitude of what I'm talking about, in the coming year, 10 million Americans are going to wrestle with whether or not to end their life. Hmm. 10 million is a big number. Yeah. Uh, and of that 10 million... Uh, more than a million and a half are going to get to the point where they are in an emergency department being seen or treated for um, uh, suicide uh, uh, attempts or uh, serious ideation. Uh, and we lose somebody about every uh, 11 minutes in the United States mm. uh, uh, to suicide. So it's a, it's a huge problem. Uh, and uh, we have recently, the CDC just put this out in the last month, we have crossed uh, the line uh, to where now the United States is experiencing the highest suicide rate that 
has ever been experienced, hmm. and I believe probably has ever been experienced by any country in history. Wow. Um, and let me, do you mind if I just explain why Please, that yeah. is? Yeah. So we've crossed the, the high that was reached during the aptly named Great Depression, where it was easy to understand why people de- were depressed. The yeah. economy had collapsed, a third of America was out of work, and the environment had collapsed. That was the Dust Bowl uh, period. So, you know, millions of people displaced and everything. And that was the previous high. Um, today, we've crossed that line, but the statistic uh, is is not a, a true statistic because today most people, thank God, who try to take their own lives are rescued, whereas in 1930 there was no technology to do that. And so if we subtracted year 2023 20, technology from this problem that we're experiencing, our suicide rate uh, would probably be 100 times higher than it is. Wow. And so um, it's, it's, it's really measured not even by the deaths, but by the despair of the number of people who just can't see going on another day. And we're in uncharted territory for any country, any society in time. Hmm. Uh, and so uh, from a medical standpoint, I'm, I'm appalled at the suffering that's yeah. increasing every year for um, uh, almost uh, the uh, well o- over two decades. Uh, the suicide rate has increased by about two percent every single year, um, and uh, it doesn't have any signs of slowing down. And from the Christian perspective, yeah, I bring um, to that discussion the fact that. Um, there's more to us than just mind and body. There's soul. That's right. And, yeah. and I think that people's souls are just hurting them hmm. uh, right now. And um, the medical profession is not trained to take care of souls. Right. That's the job of the church. Yeah. And so that's that's the perspective I bring from that. And just uh, pray every day that the church will really get involved in this because the answers can't come from anywhere else. Really. Yeah. I know it's a difficult subject, I think for anybody to talk about, but including believers, you know, it's, it's hard for churches to address. Um, you know, it's a hard conversation to, to have with your kids, you know, why do you think it's so hard to, to talk about suicide and it, is it healthy, you know, to go ahead and bring up this tough topic with, with those that you love? Cause you kind of have two opinions. Some think it makes things worse, and others go, no, it's good. We need to bring it to the light and talk about it. Right. The, uh, this has been studied for over a century. And in medical school, they just pounded it through to us that uh, you will not increase the chances of somebody taking their own life if you bring the subject up. You do the exact opposite. Suicide has many things that lead to it. But a bottom, bottom line uh, for people is a feeling of uh, despair and loneliness and disconnect. Just asking somebody, uh, saying something like, uh, I, I don't think you're yourself. Um, are, 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 are you thinking about hurting yourself? Something like that. Uh, says to that person, I care enough about you yeah. to ask. Yeah, And it's a difficult um, uh, thing to ask, uh, and 
in in the book that I wrote about this, there's even a script for you to follow. You don't have to <laughs> figure this out. You, there's a script to follow. Um, and, and so I think there's this uh, hesitation to talk about it because we think we might make it worse. The, the date, I say, is 100, you know, at least a century on this, that that is not the case. And then I think the other thing is we don't know what to say. Right. What if the person says yes or, or that type of thing? And so uh, I, I really – I was in a plane <laughs> uh, going home, and uh, um, a woman sitting beside me kind of talked <laughs> a lot, and she had her two sons with her. And, um, and if, as we were almost you know, to my airport, she said, what do you do for a living? And I said, oh, I'm a Christian writer. And, and she said, what have you written about? And I, I said, suicide. And she stopped, and she said, my son told me last week that he didn't want to live. And I said, what did you say? And she said, oh, I said, that's nonsense. You, you have everything. Um, so not only that was, she wasn't trying to harm her son, but what her son heard was, I don't want to hear about this. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, Jesus isn't afraid of anything. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And, and truth is what needs to be brought to these discussions. So I think we, we need to learn to ask and we need to learn what to say next. And we don't have to be experts. No, you know, you right. listeners don't have to be junior psychiatrists or anything like that. Yeah. But I think it's good to have an idea what to do and where to go uh, with this. If somebody in your family or in your care is experiencing something like this, uh, uh, forewarned is forearmed or, or whatever. You know, right, that, right. Well, thank you, Dr. Sleeth. Please stay with us. You're listening to Crosswalk on 100.7 The Word. We'll be right back after this break. Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. I've got Dr. Matthew Sleeth uh, with me, and he's written a book uh, on suicide, Hope Always, and is also speaking at Focus on the Family, September 5th. The event is Lighthouse Voices. You can attend in person or also a live stream. So go to lighthousevoices.org, and that's September uh, 5th. And, you know, Dr. Sleeth, this is a a topic that has really riveted our, our community, and it's been the most difficult thing that I've walked with people through as, as a pastor. Um, I'm curious, what's the Bible have to say about a suicide? There's, there's probably a lot of listeners that haven't heard too many messages on what the Bible says about suicide. And uh, I, w- I would agree with that, that most people have not heard a, a sermon on this. I think that's because in, in society, until very recently, it was just a given that this was wrong. Um, and, but when we, uh, we need to go to the Bible about everything, I think, to find out, uh, uh, what's what. And, uh, the Bible, first of all, says that suicide is wrong. Um, uh, uh, Exodus, uh, 20, uh, the 10 commandments says thou shall not kill. Uh, you could have in parentheses, uh, behind that yourself. Um, uh, first Corinthians, um, three, uh, 16 is that lovely verse about us being a temple. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. 
And so Scripture is clear that this is wrong. Um, nonetheless, uh, it, 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 so it is a sin, if I'm allowed to use the S word here on, on yeah. the air. Um, it's a sin, but you and I sin every day. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I believe that Christ's uh, death on the cross can atone for any sin. And Paul, uh, in his uh, great theologic treatise of Romans, uh, the end of chapter 8, and, and I'll, I'll just go ahead. By the way, uh, for your listeners, I haven't memorized all this. I have it out in front of me, so <laughs> you can look it up, too. Uh, Romans 8, uh, starting in verse 38, For I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hmm. And you can say amen to that if you amen, want. Amen, yeah. It, it's a beautiful thing. But note here, you have to be in Christ Jesus for this. This is not a universalism right. uh, type of thing here. Um, and so I think that a believer can take their own life and, and uh, not put their salvation uh, in jeopardy, uh, uh, I, it, but nonetheless, it is a sin and it is a grave uh, sin. Uh, but I don't think that if uh, someone is listening and they've had a loved one um, who was a, a believer take their own life, um, that they need to uh, fret f- for um, over and over again about that. Um, now, to take up more of the thread of suicide throughout Scripture— as far as I know, and I've read the Ramayana and the Bhagavad Gita and the Koran and some other sacred texts uh, in the process of becoming a Christian, I read all those first, Bible last. Um, you should have started with the Bible first. So you... <laughs> well, you know, I think maybe God wanted me to figure some other things yeah, out. Sure. Uh, but as far as I know, the Bible is the only sacred text on the planet that says where suicide comes from. And we have Adam and Eve in the garden, in paradise, in this beautiful relationship with the Lord, and the only thing they are told not to do is to eat from this particular tree the, the, of the knowledge of good and evil. And God is very clear on what will happen. If you do that, in the day you do that, you will be committing suicide, uh, the Bible says. Um, you will surely die. And that is what we know that Adam knew. Um, Eve has even a more explicit, she's, she, her understanding is you're not even supposed to touch this, uh, much less eat it. And yet they did this thing that resulted in death, and they did not do it alone. Um, Satan was there, and Satan was tempting them and pushing uh, them and saying, maybe you'd be better off. And so I want to, if, if people get nothing else out of our conversation it's that if they ever hear a voice telling them to take their life, that is the voice of humanity's enemy. That's the voice of Satan. You run in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, and so as you go through Scripture, uh, there are many people who come to the end of their rope and say to God, I want to die. Moses got there. Elijah got there. I, I think David was probably um, uh, close. And... and um, and if we were to follow Satan through Scripture, uh, Satan doesn't show up in person that much, but every time he does, he's trying to do the same thing he was in the garden, get someone to take their own life. And in the book of Job, the, uh, the poetry of Job doesn't say suicide. They say, curse God and die. Well, you've heard plenty of people curse God. Did they drop dead afterwards? No. It's, it's Satan's trying to get 
Job to take his own life. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and when, even when Satan and Jesus uh, are together in the wilderness, what's called the temptation of Christ, uh, one of the ploys of Satan is to go right back to his old games in the garden and kind of tempts Jesus to jump off a high place and see if it isn't better hmm. or something. And, of course, when Satan enters into Judas, uh, Judas not only betrays the Lord, but takes his own life. Um, Jesus sums this up in John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to uh, uh, rob and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus just crystallizes the argument, light and dark, life and death. So this is really... This is the utter sanctity of life issue as far as I'm yeah. concerned. I think it's really important, uh, especially as believers, to see this through a biblical worldview. And we do have a, a real enemy that hates the image of God and humanity bears the image of God. And and so the core of suicide is that attack of the enemy to try to, to get people to choose death and, instead of uh, cho- choosing life. How about for a listener that says, you know what, I'm there. You know, I'm wrestling with thoughts of suicide. What do I do? You know, what? How would you encourage them? Great question. Uh, the the first of all, that the Lord knows what you're going through. Uh, we, uh, because of our culture and where the church is right now, generally you walk into church, you see a lot of smiling faces and happiness and that sort of thing. Uh, Jesus is acquainted with grief and sorrow and depression. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He, he knows where you are. You're not alone. Um, and he does not want you to take your, your life. Uh, I, I believe um, I'm a, if it works, do it. And, and I, I believe people can benefit from medicines. I, I believe they can benefit from counseling. I believe they can benefit sometimes from looking at their life and saying, am I depressed because I'm in a bad place? Does the Lord want me to move away from some particular thing I'm doing that isn't right or towards something that the Lord wants me uh, to do. Um, and so there's no one-size-fits-all answer to this. Uh, but uh, if anybody's listening and they're at that point um, where it, it's just touch and go, it's time to go to a hospital. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what people like me are trained to do and, and live to do, yeah. is, is, is to help people in that crisis point. There's no shame in asking for help. Yeah. It's it's a sign of I, I think maturity to ask for help. Yeah. Good. Thanks for for sharing. How about uh, you're walking alongside someone that you love that's struggling with suicide. I'm sure there's some parents that you know have some some children that are struggling with suicide or maybe uh, your spouse or you know how can you maybe see warning signs uh uh that someone's considering suicide? Great question. The, one of the most common uh, conditions uh, that goes along with suicide is uh, depression. And so signs of depression are uh, if you have a friend that's not doing the things they used to do that gave them pleasure, let's say they played golf all the time or uh, something like that, you need to um, tune into that. And I think we're going to have to go f- to a break here, but I'll pick it up after that because that's, that's such an important question. Sounds good. Stay with us on 100.7, The Word. This is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs, on 100.7, The Word. Another sleepless night. 
Welcome back to Crossroad, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much uh, for listening. Uh, Today we're talking about suicide, and Dr. Matthew Sleeth is with me. Just before the break, uh, we were uh, discussing, you know, what are are some of the warning signs, and and you mentioned depression, and so that's where we left off. Right, so we were talking uh, some of the warning signs of depression or a loss of interest in the thing that would normally um, give uh, pleasure. Uh, sleep is often disturbed. Uh, people either sleep a whole lot more than they normally do or a whole lot less. Um, they often have feelings of guilt and shame. Um, and, uh, uh, and and so I think if you see any of these changes, and it's hard with teenagers because you can see all these things and it's just being a teenager. Uh, and that's why it's important to just stay tuned in and say, you know, how are you feeling um, that type of thing. But if somebody is persistently feeling uh, blue, sad, uh, loss of interest uh, for two weeks or more, that's that's clinical depression. And and I think it's got to be addressed in one, one way or another. Um, and uh, a, a statistic that's, and I'm not a huge statistic guy, but a statistic that just came out from the CDC uh, is that 57% of U.S. teen girls are persistently sad and that um, 30% uh, will seriously consider taking their own life in, in the next year. And, um, and so the, the numbers are just so big that, that I think that if you have a suspicion something's wrong, it's probably wrong. Um, and, and I think you have, to, you have to ask kind of open-ended questions and that sort of thing. And uh, most of us aren't equipped to, to deal uh, with this. Uh, and I think you need to, if your church has counseling service, that type of thing, that's where I would start um, and, uh, and proceed from there. I know Focus on the Family's got a great resource that if you can go to their website or call them where they've got a lot of great trusted counselors. But opening up to your pastors, your, you know, finding a trusted counselor, uh, Getting help, you're not not alone in this uh, for for sure. Yeah. So, if you're just joining us, uh, Dr. Matthew Sleeth is going to be speaking at Focus on the Family right here in Colorado Springs, September 5th. Uh, you can register at LighthouseVoices.org, and you can also attend uh, via a live uh, stream. You know, the title of your book, uh, Matthew, is is Hope uh, Always. Uh, you know. As you've worked with people and, and shared on this topic throughout the nation, you know, how have you seen people come out of depression and maybe come out of uh, suicidal thoughts? You know, I'm sure for some it seems overwhelming or I've struggled with this for several years. They can't really imagine a life without depression or suicidal thoughts. But uh, where does the hope come in? You know, how have you seen people uh, turn the corner, if you would? Yes, I, um, I, one of the things that I wanted to do with this book is to try to understand that s- scenario exactly. Why did people not commit suicide? How did they come out of this? And often in medicine, we study the pathology. <laughs> this is one where we got to study how it turns out right in, yeah. or, in order to repeat that. What was very common in those that I interviewed uh, who had come through these dark nights of the soul and now were, were living a life that they found joy in, uh, the reasons they did not take their own life, the number one was fear of what would happen afterwards. 
uh, we live in a society where we got T-shirts that say no fear and all this sort of thing. That's not what the Bible says. Hmm. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. We will face our maker someday. And that holds people back from taking their own life. That's a good thing. Um, the second reason that people backed away from that brink was concern about what's going to happen to my loved ones afterwards. That is a very legitimate concern. Uh, people do not get over uh, suicides in families. Uh, it can affect for multiple generations. So that's a good thing to fear what will happen afterwards um, because I do not believe nothing happens afterwards, which is the common secular belief. I believe we're going to meet uh, the, the, our, our maker. And, um, and caring about what happens to others, even if I have to suffer some, is the definition of loving somebody. Jesus says there isn't a greater love than that you would give your life. And if that means keeping your life um, and, and staying alive and struggling through these, uh, I think that can be an encouragement to people. It's been known since uh, a French sociologist, Emile Durkheim, in the 1890s did a study on this, um, that Christians are about four to six times less likely to take their life than an atheist. Hmm. And the reason are those two top things that I talked about. By the way, Durkheim was an atheist. I don't, wow. think, he, I don't think he cared about this at all. Hmm. Um, and, uh, and so I think there's hope. In, and there's a study I'm going to refer to here. It's a study I first learned about from Tim Keller. He was discussing when it came out in like 2002. And it um, is a, uh, a study um, called Hardwired to Connect. And the, the main research on it was done at Dartmouth uh, Medical School. And um, at that time, there was the uh, Commission on Children at Risk that, that did this. And because suicide was already being seen to get so much more prevalent in young people. And these were, as far as I can tell, all secular people. And just like Durkheim, they came to the conclusion that we need what they called authoritative communities. They couldn't use the word church. But that we need these communities that speak right and wrong and, and do moral development and are committed to you over a life. They can never they never use the term church, but that's mm. exactly what they described. Yeah. Right, and so I I think that in church, and I'm sure your church has done this. So you know, I don't want to put you on the spot or anything. But I remember having about 150 teenagers that came through my city that asked if I could talk to them. We're yakking away and everything after we fed them pizza. Always feed teenagers first, and um, and. Uh, somebody said, what are you writing? And, and I was writing this book, and I said, I'm writing about suicide. And it got real quiet. And um, I, I learned that somebody had just lost uh, a, a cousin that week or whatever. And I also learned that this group was traveling with a nurse because two of the students were on active suicide watch. So this is something they're dealing with right in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I said, has anyone in your church talked to you about this? Zero. I said, have you ever been told whether it's even right or wrong? No. Mm. Now, this is an evangelical church group. Right. And so I think that as a church, we need to define by Scripture what is right, what mm -hmm. is wrong. Yeah. Um, and uh, 
and to walk through this with people. If you think, uh, Eric, about what happens if the average family gets a diagnosis of cancer, well, you you're probably going to hear it in a, if it's a small enough church from the from the pulpit. You're going to have prayer. People are going to bring you meals, take you to the doctor. If you're in a decent church, and by the way, always do this: give the person money because insurance never pays yeah, uh, for everything. Right. It's time to take up a collection. You know, those are all the right responses, even though there's not a single case of cancer in Scripture. Hmm. But if somebody is experiencing depression or suicidal thoughts, where do they go to get help? In in church, we don't want to hear about it generally. And so I think as a church, we have to realize Jesus said, I'm a physician. I'm here to take care of the sick people. Yeah, The well people don't need me. That's our job in church is, yeah. is to love on, on people who need it. And so um, I think there's this gigantic opportunity for, to the church uh, to meet a need in society that nobody else can figure out. Yeah. And, and so that's, where I, that's another place that I see the hope because the church has not really engaged with this fully. There are places like Focus and, and Colson Center and, and whatnot that are leading this. But I think as a broader church, we need a movement right. uh, to address it. Right. Sounds good. You're listening to Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Dr. Matthew Sleeth. Stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7. The Word. Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Dr. Matthew Sleeth is with me. Uh, he speaks on the issue of suicide. If you'd like to learn more uh, from him, you can go to matthewsleethmd.org. And he's also speaking here in town at Focus on the Family, September 5th. You can go uh, to lighthousevoices.org and come in person. It's free or also join via live stream. Matthew, we were talking about the break, you know, what happens if the church doesn't engage in this issue of of suicide uh, just on a on a deep level? You know, where do you see things going from here? Oh, uh, first of all, if we don't engage, we're not we're not following scripture. Jesus made absolutely no distinction between mental and physical illness. Uh, if anything, he went out of his way to heal those with mental illness. So we're not following scripture and whenever the church gets off scripture, we're in trouble. Yeah. So that's the first thing that happens. Um, the second thing is that unless somebody puts the brakes on this, uh, and I believe it's really needs to be the church, um, suicide will become normalized. What I mean by that is if we have something that society has defined as a sin and it starts going up and up and up. I'll use divorce as an example. We normalize it. Uh, 75 years ago, if you were divorced, most churches, you couldn't be a pastor. Now, anything goes. <laughs> you know, you couldn't be a politician, etc. So what we do is we normalize things. And when we normalize a sin, we usually start calling things by different names, just like the scripture says, all of a sudden we call light darkness or darkness light or up down and that sort of thing. And if you think about it, we've even changed the name of a funeral to life celebrations. Well, Christ showed us how to act at a funeral. <laughs> he cried, got his handkerchief out, and he sobbed, you know. 
And that's how, because death is wrong. Death was not in God's plan. And I believe that it will be so normalized that um, you can go down to the drugstore and I'll say something like, I uh, want to affirm you in your life decision to to end your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're really going to see that. And what would have been a horror is going to be called a virtue. Right. Uh, and just just to show how this, you know, maybe, maybe there are only a few years ahead of us. In Canada, they have something called the MAID law, the medical assistance in dying, uh, where you can go in and demand that your doctor put you to sleep, just like a dog, something like that. Well, this has it had a few breaks around it, but now you don't even have to have a terminal illness. Hmm. And in, what in I, Canada, you don't need a terminal illness. No, okay. no. Um, and my fear is, I go back to the b- most bizarre moment in my medical career. Well, I was a senior resident, and I had an eleven-year-old girl, and I was pleading with her if to let me call her mother. The law of the land tied my hands. I could not call her mother until she gave me permission. And the reason I needed to call her mother is she had just delivered a full-term baby nobody knew she was pregnant with. Hmm. Uh, But I couldn't call until I was given permission by her. I can't imagine what it's going to be like if an 11-year-old can go to their doctor, pediatrician, and demand to be put to death and the parents not notified. This is coming. Hmm. And so if the church does not go, no, this is wrong, we're not going to stay silent about this. We're going to preach life. We're going to preach that life is sacred. We're, we're going to do what we have to to walk with these people to get them out of the dark and into the light. Um, I am very, very afraid of what kind of world my grandkids are going to be in mm. if we don't engage on this. And I just I can't thank Focus and, and Colson Center enough for really being brave enough to begin to give people the answers that they desperately need to tackle this. Yeah. And we can get involved individually too. I think, uh, you know, as a believer, believing God's message on life, then love people and have these difficult conversations. And that's how, how culture shifts and culture changes. And Satan wants to keep it isolated and don't talk about it, but being equipped, you know, picking up your book, always hope, uh, doing some research, going to the word, going to the Holy Spirit, but God giving you courage. I, I know there's listeners that are struggling with suicide and also listeners where this is hitting home because they've got a loved one that's struggling and they've been wanting to have this conversation, but they haven't done it. And I, I just encourage them, you know, in Jesus name, have that conversation and and take that risk and, and let God show up and and do his work, you know. Amen. And, and you know, I was doing a radio show like this in Louisville, Kentucky, when the book just came out. They asked if somebody could sit in the studio who was suicidal. No pressure, right? <laughs> we There were three of us pastors in the room. We prayed for this guy afterwards. Uh, he was baptized like five days later. I, I was over back over in Louisville. This is two years later, and this guy comes up to me and tells me how his life has changed. Mm. Do not underestimate the power of a genuine experience with uh, Christ, the mm-hmm. life-giving nature of that. Yeah. If yeah. you, Jesus said, you got to take your eye out. You got to quit your job. Whatever you got to do, this is, this is the big pearl is, yeah. is Christ here. So yeah. I 
can't stress that enough. I think sometimes we just get kind of going through the moves and everything. Yeah. But a, a real relationship with the Lord uh, that you even have to work at, I think it's just a wonderful thing uh, and a life-giving thing. Yeah. Before I let you go, what really caused you to shift from being a medical doctor to focus on this issue of suicide? You know, in reading your bio, it's a pretty big shift. You know, you're had this medical career going and then you, you pivoted and said, I'm going to devote my life to, to really shining well, light on Lord. this issue. Yeah, yeah. I met the Lord and it was a, during a dark time in, in my family's life. Uh, my wife's brother had drowned in mm-hmm. front of her and my children and, uh, just lots of darkness after that. Uh, and, um, what, what eventually happened was I picked up a Bible in a hospital and I never read one. And I said, boy, I, I, I'm not going to be able to read this before the next patient. And so I stole it. And then God's provenient grace came in because where do you start reading a, a whole Bible? Well, my parents named me Matthew. If they'd named me Jeremiah or Numbers, we wouldn't be here today. <laughs> and so I started reading Matthew, you know, and I met, I met Jesus Christ. And um, things don't get better instantly. God is not a thaumaturgist, a, mus- a magician that shows mm. up. But, but um, you know, if I look back then, I wanted to divorce my wife. Now I've got the same wife, but it, she's the hottest babe in Christendom, you know. You, it, it, what if we'd end things back then? Mm. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have seen grandchildren and mm. been able to baptize my granddaughter in the Indian Ocean mm. in April, that, those kinds of things. So... I've, on a firsthand basis, know the power of a relationship uh, with Christ hmm. and how it can just change everything in, in a family's life, not just mine, but an entire family. Hmm. And if, if you're listening and you don't know Jesus, he loves you, he died for you, that's where it all starts. You know, that's the beginning and the end and everything in between is 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 trust in Christ. Well, we want to invite you to focus on the family September 5th. Cool thing here is you what can, time is it? So I'll be there on time. Yeah, I don't know what time. What time? We, we've got a focus big wig over here in in the studio. <laughs> but you can go to lighthousevoices.org dot org and okay. get the time. But what I think is unique is you can come here, Matthew, in person. So so come and bring out questions and, too. We're gonna have okay. a time of question and answer. Yeah, and uh, all all questions are good questions unless you're being mean and. Uh, uh, but but seriously, bring those questions with you, and uh, uh, so that's September fifth, right here at Focus on the Family. It's free. You can register at lighthousevoices uh, dot dot org. Matthew, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for uh, devoting your life to this issue of life and the sanctity of life. And uh, we're praying for you. And it's it's a good conversation. So thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Eric. Yeah. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can go uh, find Dr. Matthew Sleeth's book, Hope Always. Uh, thanks for listening. God bless you. Have a great night. Everything I need, you got. There's honey in the rock. Pray for a miracle. Thirsty for the living word. 100.7, The Word.